Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Danger at the Park by James Mason As the yellow school bus loaded with 7th through 10th graders headed toward Patrick's Point State Park, I gloated. I got away without Mom coming along, I thought proudly. Our school took this trip every May, and my parents had never let me come without my mom accompanying the group. So this time, when the trip was announced, I didn't tell my parents about it. After all, I reasoned, I am in ninth grade. I sat in the back of the bus with my best friend, Randy Clinton, and we planned what we would do first. When we arrived at the park, he and I ran over to Mesa Rock, a 40-foot-high cubicle rock jutting out of the trees at the edge of a meadow. We took the hewn steps up the cracked rock to the top. There we looked to see whether we recognized any of the names carved on the wooden fence. We didn't, so we started back down the steps. When we were about halfway down, we saw a crack about four feet wide that extended to the top. We climbed carefully up the crack and played tag, scared some other climbers, and generally just goofed around. I almost slipped off into the treetops once, but was able to grab a hardy bush growing out of the rock. At about eleven o'clock, we got tired and sprawled out on a flat area overlooking the meadow. By this time, the sun was beginning to break through the fog, and both of us lazily watched some of the other kids strolling across the meadow. I broke the silence. "'Hey, Randy!' "'What?' he replied. "'You know why my mom didn't come with us this time like she usually does?' He shook his head. No, I was wondering. Everybody knew how strict my parents were and how they always accompanied me everywhere I went. It had always sort of embarrassed me, so I proceeded to tell him how I had gotten away without telling them about the trip. He congratulated me and remarked, We sure are having fun. We were both silent again. Then I asked, What should we do after lunch? Randy lived only a few miles from the park and knew it better than I did. He thought for a moment, Well, we could go to the tide pools, or out on the rocks beyond the tide pools. He paused for a moment. Or we could climb the sand cliffs. That's what we should do. Sounds like a great idea, I exclaimed, not wanting to be the cautious one. Let's eat our lunches and go. With that, we scrambled over to the face of the rock and slowly descended, racing to the bus when we reached the bottom. There we ate our lunches and told of our adventures of the morning. As soon as we finished, we hastily threw our lunch bags in the trash barrel and started jogging to Agate Beach. The muffled roar and the salty smell of the sea became more intense as we ran down the trail. As we neared the shore, I could smell the stench of dead sea life and the smoke of fires on the beach. We stopped at a bend in the trail where the bushes weren't as high and we could see the beach. To the left, some of my classmates were wading in the tide pools. On the beach, several students were dragging driftwood around and collecting agates. Then I saw them to the right, the 100-foot sand cliffs that seemed bigger than I remembered from previous trips, and this time we were going to climb them. When we got to the beach, we sprinted the few hundred yards to the base of the cliffs. I saw some holes zigzagging up the side to a horizontal ledge about halfway up. The ledge extended all the way across the face of the cliff, and to the right the sand came up to it in a sort of cove. How are we going to get past that ledge, I queried, though still not wanting to appear cautious. Randy showed me where the ledge rounded a corner in the cliff to the left, and another set of zigzagging holes led to the top. Well, let's climb it, I said with as much bravado as I could muster. Okay, he replied, I'll go first. 
With that, we rapidly climbed using the hard-packed handholds to the ledge, which proved to be only about a foot and a half wide, and sloping outward. We scooted sideways using our fingers to hold ourselves to the sand cliffs. It was pretty scary looking down fifty feet to the sand below. Randy made the curve fine in his waffle-soled hiking boots, but when I got there in my worn tennis shoes, I could feel them slipping. I stopped, not wanting to take a chance. I squatted and dug my fingernails into the packed sand, but I could still feel myself slipping ever so slowly off the ledge. I prayed frantically for God's help and said in a surprisingly calm voice, Randy, come back, I'm slipping. As he came slowly, carefully back, I saw Mrs. Grady, one of my teachers, beckoning and yelling for us to come down. Neither she nor the students with her realized how close I was to doing it the fast way. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, Randy reached out his hand, and I grasped it and stood up. We then crawled slowly downward along the ledge to where the sand of the beach came up to meet it. There we collapsed in relief. Lying there, I said a silent prayer to my Heavenly Father. I promise to obey my parents better and always let them know where I am. I also promise that I'll keep my life in your hands, God. So whenever I feel myself slipping from God, I reach up and grasp his hand, just as I did Randy's on the cliffs that day. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.